Uh, uh, yeah, 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 uh, Miami. Uh, uh, South Beach, bringing the heat, uh. Long ball, right side, Nani, that cross, shot. There's another one for Mueller, and it's 1-1. One, one. Where I am in the place where I come let go. In Miami, the base and the sunset low. Driven by Nani, he scores! He made them pay a price for losing the ball at the other end. 2-1 Orlando City. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show, where we are approaching the end of June, and what a week for both Orlando soccer teams. The Orlando Pride and Orlando City played a total of six games since we last recorded our show, and we're going to go through all of them, so sit back for a very long episode. No, I'm just kidding. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about the other games that happened earlier in the week. We're going to kind of stay our main focus on what happened most recently. So the game for the Orlando Pride against the Houston Dash and for Orlando City, the game against Miami. So in order to do that, we have myself, Austin, David, we have Brad Newton, and for the first time in a month, we have Gavin Eubank returning from his sabbatical. Hello. Yeah, yeah, it's... uh. Back from my sabbatical vacation, whatever you want to call it. It's fun to be back. Stinky! Stinky, yes. You're you're welcome. Uh, Season two drops next week. I'm very excited. That is, I think you should leave, correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. It's a national holiday, and (laughs) I think I've watched a trailer for it about ten times. Just uh, just getting between that and, like, the the song performance one, I'm just very excited for it. Just watching the trailer and just forming all of these questions about like what all of these snippets like what is going on in the context of this image. Isn't that Very like the entire show? Uh, trying to figure out what's going on in the context of this show. Yeah, it's part kinda. of it. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of just not knowing. Like it's it's thinking you know what's happening, but then something else is actually happening. Kind of like Rick and Morty. If you watch the new episode. Yeah, but like it doesn't it's not up its own ass about itself. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah. Like therein I, lies the I difference. I could say the similar like the similar of like you don't really know what's happening until it's happening, like watching Dave, which has also been on point this year. So Oh, and then speaking of not knowing what's happening until it happens, holy moly is back too. Ugh. I, I watched season one of that and like I loved it. I just haven't got around to watching. It's on. It it's on Hulu, and I cannot recommend it enough because there is. Wait, is uh, that the golf? Yeah, the, the, the like mini golf one. Extreme with mini Curry? golf with Steph Curry, Rob Riggle, and um, God Joe Testor. Oh man, I have not watched this. That. Did this not know been, it was that good. It's great. Yeah, no, this it's is, great. There is a been... there's a contestant in season two that when I watched, I actually almost died when they uh, did their obstacle course because I was <laughs> laughing so hard and I couldn't breathe. Oh man! And that was our ad read for Hulu. In case you were wondering, yeah, yeah, we we went through like our <laughs> entirety of what we want to watch, what we're watching, and and everything else. So hey, if you're Hulu interested, has live now podcasts. you know. Yeah. This is why you listen to us for for our hot takes on shows, not the soccer stuff. 
absolutely not the soccer stuff. So let's I've talk also about playing the, the outer stuff. worlds. Have you guys been uh, getting any good <laughs> no. uh, soccer stuff? Yeah. Uh, City look. We haven't talked about Battlefield 2042 already. We're going to go down that route. <laughs> We're not. We're going to save that for your weird news and red cards if you want to, to send something that way okay. or towards okay. the end of the show because that's when people really don't care about what we talk about mm-hmm. towards the end of the show. Okay. But we're yeah, going to start so off soccer. with. It's been good. Soccer. Good. Orlando City. We'll start with like the very 90% good. Because, of it has been good. Yeah. Three three <laughs> yeah. games, three wins, a nine-point week for Orlando City. Two of the games technically at home, one about four hours down the road. So not too terrible in terms of the travel constraints for Orlando City because the away game at Toronto was, well, at home. It was at Exploria Stadium, just not in front of fans. Then you come back and you play the San Jose game in front of fans, in front of actually a, a full contingent of fans, and then you go to Miami to play in front of a full contingent of fans. So that's fun. Yeah, it's 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 a for a, an entire week of games, playing three games in a week, picking up nine points. That's that's probably the most ideal schedule for them if they're going to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not ideal to play that many games in that short amount of time. But if you're going to and you pick up all nine points from a possible nine, very ideal. So let's just run down the first two and then we'll get to the Miami game. Because, you know, our intro was kind of Miami related, basically teased. Hey, we're going to talk about Miami, but we'll get, we'll get to it. The away game against Toronto. Very, very interesting to be there. Uh, I was on the field for this game, and it, it was it's always very eerie when it's just an empty stadium, because I was there, what was it, Saturday night for when Toronto played Cincinnati, and they lost to Cincinnati, which just goes to show you how bad Toronto is right now. They are down bad. And with Toronto, you know, they, they can't or they won't have fans in the stands, so... It becomes interesting when Orlando is playing in Orlando and yet they can't have fans in the stadium. It's a home game, but it's not a home game and you're at home, but you're not really at home (laughs) and the fans are there, but they're not really there. Hold on. Did Did Switzerland do what I think they just did? Yeah. Yeah. So... Oh my god! Right as you started kind of getting into all of that, Switzerland scored the equalizer, and I was sitting here in like almost disbelief, not paying attention to you anymore. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you. So I'm like trying to, I'm trying to keep my focus back on the computer and not the TV just to the left of me. That is actually insane. It's kind of hard to do at this point. That, this is the second game where teams have blown a three-one lead. It is the most dangerous lead in sports. Now we get the, we get the nice benefit of this game likely going into another thirty minutes as we're trying to record. Fantastic, fantastic. Anyways, back to the Toronto game. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Orlando got off to an incredibly good start. Tacho Akindele now holds the record for the the two quickest goals in Orlando City history, which kind of wild. Just just the, the concept of uh, Tacho Akindele, not not necessarily him having be a good or bad player just the concept of him having the two fastest goals in orlando city history wow do you guys want to take a guess at who is in the top five for fastest goals in orlando city history outside of tesha 
Um, uh, Chris has one, right? Chris is third with a minute and five seconds in Laren? against the game against San Jose. Laren is actually sixth. Um, which sixth? Um, so so Chris is third. Tesho has two. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for four and five. Correct. Um, hmm. Nani? Nope. Hmm. Can you give me a guess of the years? And I twenty fifteen and sixteen. Oh. Ugh. Spoke too uh, soon. Can you narrow down the exact matches, and then I can probably guess. Uh, twenty fifteen versus Sporting Kansas City. Ooh, and twenty sixteen no. versus New England. Was it winter? Adrian Vinter has the game. fifth fastest goal with okay. two minutes and nineteen seconds in. It was off the header in the Sporting Kansas City game from a yes, Kaká delivery. Yes. And you said the second game was what? 2016 versus New England. Ooh, that one I'm definitely foggy on. Yeah. I don't know why, but Tommy Redding's popping into my mind. It is absolutely not Tommy Redding. No. I don't know why okay. you are thinking of that. <laughs> I don't think he ever scored an MLS goal in the first place. Yeah, probably not. That's why I don't know why he's just randomly popping into my mind. Uh, when I think back to 2016, like guys like Aurelian Collin and Tommy Redding, like are the first things I think of about Orlando. City. I'll give you a hint: Julio Baptista went down for a penalty a minute into the game. Kaká, mm, Kaká, there you go. Yeah. yeah, scored a minute and 38 seconds into the game after getting the penalty. So top five is he- Tesho, Tesho, Chris Mueller, Kaká, Adrian Vinter. And I'm guessing he went and to the left. He did actually. Yes. Uh, if you want the top 10, uh, sixth is Kyle Laren in 2016 versus the Red Bulls. Seventh is uh, our good friend Breck Shea versus Montreal back in 2016. Eighth is Daryl DK versus Nashville in 2020 at three minutes and five seconds. Ninth, Chris Mueller versus New York Red Bulls or New York City FC in the MLS is back tournament at three minutes and 13 seconds. And then 10th is... Kyle Laren, March 11, 2016, versus the Chicago Fire at 3 minutes and 24 seconds. That is his top 10. Of fastest goals in Orlando City history. And if you don't know, now you know. So it starts off great for Orlando City in the Toronto game. It gets even better when Quentin Westberg does uh, who knows what the hell he was thinking. Gives it away to Sylvester van der Water, and Tesho has an assist to Nani. And Orlando's riding high. They're up 2 nothing within the first, like, six minutes of the game. And then they concede. And then they concede again. And uh, that was the first time under Oscar Pereja that Orlando City has actually let a 2 nothing lead slip through their fingers. But they didn't lose the game. So they did not become another statistic of blowing a 2 nothing lead only to lose the game. Uh, they ended up winning thanks to Junior Urso very late in the game. Honestly... I didn't see much from Orlando in that game uh, in terms of offense. I thought Toronto played fairly well, considering how bad they played lately. Uh, it seemed like they really wanted to beat Orlando and actually like played like it until they turned the ball over and, and became really dumb. Uh, Aro passed it to Junior Urso, thinking that he was on his team for some reason, but... Nope, one Brazilian to another, just different colors uh, that they were wearing at the time. And nice one, too, with Chris Mueller from Junior. Slots in the back of the net, and Orlando ends up winning off of that. Uh, got a bit chippy at the end, though. 
Uh, there were some incidents both on the field and off that uh, kind of happened. But uh, Orlando got away and they got the three points and then went to go celebrate with the fans that were shooting off fireworks the entire game. I don't know how much you could hear from the broadcast standpoint, but those fireworks were going off at the most inopportune times where it was just like silence for a good seven minutes. And then all of a sudden, like the biggest firework you can shoot off went off. And you could just see like everyone kind of around the field just kind of take like a jump. And then, you know, obviously after they score, uh, the fireworks were going off. And then when they went to go celebrate, they just they let off the whole load. Uh, but it was definitely an interesting atmosphere and definitely kind of cool to to see the fans and the players celebrate. You know, I got to I got to see the players celebrating from from afar uh, while I was still on the field. But it was really cool. Definitely cool. So that's game one. Then they get to turn around after, what, two days in between, and they get to play again. They play Saturday, they have Sunday, Monday, and then they play Tuesday. They get to play the San Jose Earthquakes. And this is the first time that they've played the Earthquakes in Orlando since 2018, where they took a very early lead and then let it go. Uh, barely hanging on to win 3-2. That was the game that Chris Mueller scored the fastest goal in Orlando City history at the time. It was also the f- what second time that Orlando City has played San Jose since the Pulse shooting, and that, sh- that game signified the fifth-year anniversary for Orlando City to honor the Pulse victims. And the last time that Orlando City played against San Jose when Pulse was related scored a, a, a late game winner uh, which then turned into a equalizer because of Shea Salinas so a lot of different emotions kind of coming into this game but from the very beginning Orlando City didn't they didn't waste any time Benji Michel goes down for a penalty Nani slots it away and they don't look back from there and they just they shellacked San Jose it was not a contest first off the game was delayed for an hour because of rain they come out, 7th minute in, Nani buries the penalty. Benji scores a goal in the 16th minute after I don't know what Paul Marie was doing on defense. He was trying to shield the ball. Uh, JC Marcinkowski didn't want the ball, and Benji's like, all right, I'll just poke it in. So he does, and it's 2 nothing through the first 15 minutes. Then Daryl Dike, who gets his first start since coming back from loan to Barnsley, rounds the keeper, buries it 3 nothing in the 31st minute, and then we get a nice hour-long lightning delay again where torrential downpours just continuously come through and it looked like it was going to be a long rain delay it only lasted an hour thankfully but they get to halftime and it's three nothing at this point you're not too worried about it orlando city that you know they're going to win because it's three nothing and san jose didn't look like they cared to play at halftime orlando makes a couple subs Jamutinho comes off. At the time, we didn't think anything of it because, you know, he's still coming back. But I have heard that he may be injured again, and it may be another long-term injury. Apparently, he was getting checked out, MRIs, etc. So that's something we'll have to keep an eye on because... Uh, you know, is <laughs> they're, they're already without their right back, and now they could be without their left back. So that's fun. Anyways, Mikey Holiday steps in, plays a, a tremendous job. You didn't have to do too much playing against a 
San Jose team that really didn't seem to care. But he played well, and it's set up for the game against Miami. So then, second half starts. Daryl DK scores in the 49th minute. Also, just incredible. On the day you honor Pulse, you score a goal in the 49th minute. That's kind of special. Yeah. If if something like that happened another year, too, if I'm correct. I I seem to remember, like, something similar happening during another one of the the Pulse Memorial matches. Could have been, yeah. It was 4-0 at that point. Orlando City was coasting. They didn't have much to worry about. You know, you you got in some guys that hadn't played in a while. Got a good run for uh, Alexander Alvarado. Got a bit of a run for uh, Tesho and Mauricio, who came off the bench. And then you got a good run for Uri Rossell. First action of the season for him. And this was the ideal place to do it. Just throw him in there and let him run around for a little bit. Get his legs underneath him. Because getting him fit and healthy would be a, a huge boost to the midfield, especially with a lot of games coming fast and furious throughout. Benji Michel adds the, the fifth goal in the 90th, and on the five-year anniversary, they win 5 nothing, scoring in the 49th minute. Special game uh, for a number of reasons, but a great confidence booster heading into that game against Miami. So we head to the Miami game now. The, the team flies in the night before, they don't drive there the day of, which uh, Julia and I did. And that was not as terrible as I thought it was going to be because it's not Miami, it's in Fort Lauderdale. So it was only a three-hour drive. Only? Only. Yikes. Well, Gavin, you, you how long was your drive from Jacksonville to Orlando? From Jacksonville to Orlando was under two hours. Oh, really? interesting i mean i've done the drive before i i've done um from palm coast to tampa when i did the florida cup that one year and that's mm-hmm. you know not fun yeah that was like three hours yeah, well uh as long as you have some good music to listen to it's it's fine you get through it pretty quick yeah well anyways orlando miami first time i got to see the stadium in person i gotta say for a temporary stadium it's pretty nice i'll give them credit for it um temporary yeah, I mean, this isn't their yeah, that's normal. Not, that's home. not going to be their. I mean, as far as we know, it's. it's <laughs> oh it's no, I I know they're to trying to build a new stadium. Yeah, but, but whether or not it actually happens, there's a big asterisk next to that word "temporary." Yeah, well, it was still a very nice stadium. A lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, and I I gotta say, like it's it's in a very interesting location. So it's right next to the. Uh, my, like the Fort Lauderdale executive airport. So from the parking lot, you can literally see the planes landing. And there was one instance where I, I think like a plane flew over the cars in the parking lot where you could like almost touch the plane or something. It was very, very close. Like the runway is like literally right outside the stadium. Uh, so it definitely makes for an interesting location. Um, but they have... This like training grounds behind the main stadium, so everything is basically connected. So everything literally right there. From what people have told me though about their experience in just the the stadium itself, apparently it wasn't very good. Apparently the the security did not know what they were doing. I had some folks 
who usually work stadium ops tell me that it was very poorly run and that Fort Lauderdale police is a joke. Uh, I didn't have any interactions with that, but it, it didn't seem like they really enforced anything. So take that for what it is. Anyways, a lot of fans traveled from Orlando to Miami. I got to interact with some of them before the game. They were all pretty hyped and excited about the game. It was uh, a blackout for Miami. So they were giving away like 10,000 black t-shirts for fans to wear. Didn't make much of a difference. (laughs) There were still enough empty seats to see like the pink and white of the stadium. So it, it didn't make too much of a difference to be completely honest. Either way, Orlando uh, did not look great throughout this game. They were constantly under pressure. Miami actually looked like the better team, I would argue. But sometimes being the better side doesn't necessarily mean you come out as winners, as Orlando City have, have been in the past. In the past years, they've occasionally been better teams, and yet they seem to concede in the 90th minute and lose. That's early days of MLS for you. But... Orlando City still finds a way. They go down one nothing in the second half thanks to a Gonzalo Higuain strike that should never have happened. Andres Perea, Kyle Smith, any of the, the defenders there should have at least taken a step up. Instead, they, they sit back and wait, and he fires it quite rightly, like in between all of the defenders and into the back post. Not ideal, but the response from Orlando was great. Uh, the first goal was spectacular. The Robin Janssen ball to Nani with then the bounce from the ball and then the immediate one-time cross from Nani to Chris Mueller to finish was sublime. Arguably one of the, the better goals that Orlando City has scored this year, just as a team perspective. And then the second goal by Nani, well, that's <laughs> that's just pure brilliance. And, uh, I mean, as as they say, he, he don't miss. Motherfucker, don't miss. No, he's fucking good. That motherfucker don't miss, man. He's good. In the heat of battle, he don't miss. No. In the heat of controversy, he don't miss. So Orlando manages to pull out the comeback, the 2-1 comeback, and they win 3-1. I have talked so much now that I'm going to let you guys speak a little bit. Uh, what are your general thoughts about this nine-point week for Orlando City? Gavin, we'll start with you. Nine point week. Um, I mean, I we came into the break. Orlando was hobbled. Orlando did not look good in that game um, against Red Bulls, and it was kind of one of those, you know. Well, hopefully they are able to just shut that out. They'll come back. They'll be you know healthy, which they are healthier. They're still without players. Obviously, now due to international. I mean, and that's the one thing you know you haven't mentioned is they've been without. The arguably one of the top three goalkeepers in the league in Pedro Galese. Um They've been without Sebas Mendes, who's been maybe their best midfielder so far this season, if not their best field player overall. So, I mean, that's two very important players they've been without. And guys are just stepping up. I mean, you know, Chris Mueller, Chris is back. I, I, he's on his way back. You know, he's he was not good those first uh 
what was it, six, seven games that they played uh, before the break. He was not not very good in those, and he's two goals and an assist in this week, um, including that banger uh, of a goal, you know, from the the cross from Donny. I mean, um, Kyle Smith, the defense in general, has turned up some really good performance, you know, a lot of great individual performances. Um, Mikey Holiday, great, you know, stood out for you guys in this one. Um, but I think this team, I mean, and that's all not even mentioning that Daryl DK is back, you know, for for now at least, and he's scoring goals and doing what Daryl DK does. And it's just such a big thing for them to have. Um, but I mean, it just, it's a feeling watching this team that we haven't had before. And I kind of put it out there. I think it was after the Toronto game, you know, they win that game. And then they have that moment outside of the stadium with the fans. And this team just feels different. This team, this group, and it's it's largely the same group that, that was here last year. And they were kind of building something special that you could feel. But now, it, for the first time, it really feels like it's all put together. And it's the right group at the right time that just feels so connected with this club and with these fans that I don't know how I'm going to talk myself out of not you know out of believing that something might happen this year and that's it's getting dangerous for me honestly yeah i just to touch on some of the stuff you mentioned the mikey holiday performance in the miami game was exceptional there was a lot asked of him in the first game he started against the red bulls and he looked like it was a bit too much for him at the time i think that he played 45 minutes in that game he played 45 minutes in the san jose game and the san jose game really was just very good for his confidence level because he was playing against a team that was already defeated and being out there and kind of feeling like, Hey, you know, maybe I can do this playing against some of the, the, you know, MLS caliber players. Kenny gave him confidence heading into the Miami game. And to be fair to him, he probably didn't think he was going to be starting that Miami game. And then Zhao was injured. So you have to be able to step up and step up. He did. He marked Breck Shea, pretty much out of the game he had tremendous foot speed in terms of recovery and getting down the field to make some crosses Uh, he's still raw you can still tell that there's a lot that needs to be worked on with him but you can really see the talent blossoming and that's the thing with this Orlando team is not just with Mikey Holiday but everybody everybody that has stepped up I mean Brandon Austin had some tremendous saves against Miami uh I, I was talking to some people about Brandon Austin, and he's just a freak athlete. Some people compared him to uh, Adam Grinwis in training, where he can make those like crazy reaction saves. But at the same time, he's a really good soccer mind, where he reads the game well, and he's very vocal uh, on the field. So for as young of a player as he is, to, to come up and, and make some big saves as he did against Miami, very big in... in terms of just filling in for Pedro Galese. Then you mentioned Andres Perea, who's filling in for Sebas Mendez, who's had an incredible season thus far. Then you have other guys stepping up. I mean, Benji Michel has stepped up. Tesho has stepped up. It's it's really fun to see. And then and Kyle Smith. I mean, God, what a what a season he has had thus far. Playing both right and left back, he's he's been a very, very good fill in player. Arguably I, he's he's been the best defensive player for Orlando City outside of 
Antonio Carlos. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know what Oscar Pereja does when uh, Juan and Joe Matin are healthy. If that is something that we see again, because Kyle Smith, like you said, I I think he probably has been the best defender on this team, and it's consistently every single week. If you go look at the stats. They all stand out. He's he's leading the team or at the top of the team in tackles, clearances, passing percentages, touches. Like he's so involved in such a low key, underrated way. It's just so impressive what he's been able to do. And I mean, I don't know what his future holds for him, but I really hope that it's continuing to be on the field, if not for the Orlando City with someone else, because he's he deserves it. He's earning those minutes more than anybody has so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Brad, you were mentioning too, you know, with all these players stepping up, um, it, the the funnel that it's kind of created around uh, Mauricio Pereira. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is is his production has been pretty glaringly absent throughout the season thus far. Um, it's one of those things that uh, he, here's the thing: I look at the last, let's say, let's go back since like the NYCFC game, right? It is a 1-1 draw, 1-0 win, 1-0 win, 2-1 loss, 3-2 win. Throughout the San Jose game as a 5-0 win, and then Inter-Miami 2-1 win. These are, they're doing enough to win right now. They're doing the things that they need to do to, to, be, to, 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 to get results and get points out of these games. But they are very close games. And they had to have basically a wonder strike from Nani at the end of that uh, inner Miami game for them to pull ahead two one. I think without guys like Mauricio Pereira really stepping up and really providing like they normally would. Uh, I, I don't know how much longer they can really sort of live and die by these, you know, one goal results really. Um, because like I said, in the last seven games, you throw out the San Jose result. It's a lot of, it's a lot of one goal games. So it's, it's a lot of just making sure that they're, continuing to do the things they need to do to win and maybe Mauricio finds his form and they get a little bit they create a little bit more room for themselves yeah I think the biggest thing with just the results the one nothing or one goal results is I, th- I think we mentioned this before but Oscar Pereja loves his one nothing results he loves it because of how it shows the effort of the team to be able to grind out. And I think that's that's on the defense as well, to be able to hold out on those results. You don't necessarily need to, you know, bully your opponents by outscoring them for nothing. This no, is a team I, that is not necessarily designed to do that. I think if the I think if you see some some like two nils, maybe a three somewhere in there, but a lot of these are, you know, one one goal games that, man, if if some things don't go the right way in that it, they, they conceded two quick goals in the Toronto game. They were down against Miami. Um, they, they lost to New York. So, I mean, even if you look at some of the more recent results, if some things don't go the right way, then maybe we're not as high as as on them as we are right now. I mean, that's, that's the thing. When you live and die by these very close results, I don't really think you get a full breadth of, like, how good they they actually are at the moment, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, I I completely understand with that. I get what you're what you're saying, and I agree with you. And I think it just kind of 
highlights the fact that this Orlando City team is so much more um so there's there's so many more dimensions to them that they don't all they don't have to be a team that has to do everything right to win a game whereas you know in 2019 if you know Orlando has to do every little thing right to win a game now they can afford to have a guy like uh, Mauricio Pereira not be productive not be the key player you know I'd, coming into the season I would have bet on anything that he is the guy that they needed most to win because we saw it last year when he was out of the lineup hurt Orlando's production offensively dropped a lot and now you could definitely make the the, the argument that that all of these low scoring all of these closer games might be due to the fact that he isn't really producing at the level that we expect to him but it does say like all right he's not producing but Orlando's still winning because they have a really good defense. They have guys like Nani who are just been phenomenal, even as he continues to get into the last legs of his career. Um, you know, Dior DK's back. Ben, like like Austin was saying, all these guys are stepping up, and it's it's just made it so much easier for for guys like Chris and for guys like Mauricio to not be at their best, but also not bring the team down with them. Whereas in the past, it's like shit. Two of our best guys are not doing well. Where are we going to find these goals? Now they have options all over the place. I mean, Sylvester Vandervater has been great. It's just this team is so much more dimensional than they were before. Right. And I think the biggest thing, like you mentioned, just in terms of the depth is those guys like Chris Mueller and Mauricio haven't been playing and yet they've still had guys step up to get them to where they need to be. Eventually, I mean, just like Chris Mueller, he scored his first goal this season eventually those guys are going to be able to get back to that level hopefully and then the benefit is you'll have all these other guys that have stepped up in their stead that are already at that level so you just get better like that's the dream and then there's also there's also that that little element where you know it's kind of personal preference if you want to think it makes a difference or not but like i was saying about just the feel of this group the energy that you get off of them the passion like these guys they're not just playing soccer to win these games but you can see the the raw emotion and the excitement when they score goals when they win the games for these fans like you you could tell they want to to win in front of these fans they want to give these fans something to celebrate and i think that that does give a little bit of extra you know for them kind of at the end of the day yeah and you give a lot of credit to oscar to be able to get them to that point because he's gotten these guys Mm -hmm. to buy in unequivocally to the process I know Brad loves to trust the process, but Chris Mueller literally said last night. Yeah, I mean Chris Mueller, and I quote, said, "Trust the process." I just, I you can't, you can't see it because this is a, an audio medium. But I just did the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio "Once Upon a Time in Hollywood" thing, where I just, I got up and I pointed at my my computer screen because he said the thing. He said the thing. <laughs> yeah, Ricardo Moreira, Orlando's uh, director of soccer ops. He- literally goes on twitter after like every time there's a good result and says you know trust the process this is it so yeah, that's i just did it again it's a rallying cry within the team like they are they are fully on board with that yeah and it's working one of the things that yeah. that gavin did mention earlier is, is nani seemingly defying time and and matthew doyle pointed this out on twitter uh shortly after the miami game um this is about how nani starts his seasons really uh first 16 games in 2020, six goals, six assists. Final 10 games of 2023, goals, zero assists. 
first 19 games of 2019, eight goals, eight assists. Final 11 games of 2019, four goals, two assists. So it's not necessarily how he starts the season. It's making sure that he is able to finish it, really. That that becomes the, the issue there. So um, mm-hmm. this I, – I, look, I'm never going to complain about Nani contributing and, and making me look stupid for – being pretty meh on the on the signing when he showed up, um, he's been great. I take back every bad thing I ever said about him. I just hope he is able to continue his production into the playoffs and at the end of the season. That's that's all I can really hope for. Is if that seemingly the last two years he's been here, he just hasn't been able to do that. So, um, yeah, that's, yeah, and, that's, and again, he's in a contract year, so. Contract year. Contract year, Nani going to turn into uh, Matt Barnes. Well, there's been talk that he wants to go back to Portugal, I think, and finish out his career um, there. But, I mean, yeah, I, listen, I, I was wrong on Nani. I, when they signed him to a three-year deal, that I, my initial reaction is that there's no way this guy's going to be able to sustain that for three years and, and be able to be productive for Orlando City, let alone be productive across at any point in these three years. Just the way that these DP signings go. I mean, Goa Green thought he was going to come in here and smoke a cigarette and run around and, and be easy, and he has anything, been anything but. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, especially, I think, in MLS of all leagues, when we've seen this year after year, it's not about who's the best team over the long period of time. It's who's the best team at the right time. It, what really counts is how you are from September to December. And that's really all that matters, you know, whether or not you like the way that the league is set up, the way that the playoffs, you know, this league <laughs> encourages someone to just get hot at the right time. It's not it's it's not necessarily a marathon in how we determine a champion here. So, yeah, it the fact that he has not historically with this club been that player down the stretch, that is very concerning. Um, it's it's helping them now, but certainly once we get into September, October, you know, where is, how many minutes does he have on his legs? Is Oscar giving him the proper rest? Is Oscar conserving him for the playoffs? Um, Because that's going to be more important than what he's doing now in in weeks like this. Yeah, and and how about this stat? Who would have thought that Nani would go down as the better player compared to Kaká, statistics-wise? It is... uh, It is certainly... Something that was probably unpredictable. Yeah. I think when you compare the two as how they've played, it's not necessarily surprising because Nani, you don't expect a guy of his stature, of his age, to come into MLS and treat this like it's day one. You know, like you're you're starting out in one of the top leagues in the world. He has given everything to Orlando City, and that's not that Kaká didn't. But as far as the intensity level, it's certainly... They're, they're at different levels. See, and, and my my whole thing is I, I kind of did think um, that Nani would be that guy because at everywhere he's gone, he's he's kind of thrown what he, whatever he's had available at him. I mean, obviously he's not the guy that played at Manchester United, but he's scored almost as many goals for Orlando City as he did for United in his time there. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean. Did, has he really? He's scored 25 goals at Manchester United. He has scored 24 goals for Orlando City. Wow. He's actually scored 27 goals for Orlando City. Because it doesn't count the two goals oh. in the MLS's back tournament. 
Oh, I also or the, in the playoffs. So that said, I don't I don't actually know how many. I think that just might be league play for Manchester United that I'm seeing that 25 goals. So I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure. So um, is that the most he scored at any club? Was it with Manchester United? Yeah. Or does he have more with Porto? No. 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 Uh, sporting, you mean? The the sporting. most goals he's ever scored with a club is with Manchester United at 25 and 147 appearances. But with Orlando, he has scored 27. So this is his most successful team he's ever been on in terms of scoring goals. That said, he's also yeah. going to finish. I mean, he'll probably finish the year with about as many appearances as if not more appearances than Kaká had for Orlando City. Kaká had 75 78 oh, 78 wow. appearances cuz he threw, he had 3 US Open yeah. Cup games. And Nani, Nani has 57. He has 66. Oh. Well, I don't know. I'll say yeah, they both have played 3 seasons but Kaká wasn't on the field as much as Nani Here's the, here's the crazy thing. So Kaká has played a thousand as of right now obviously it's 10 games into the season so do what you will with this. Kaká played 6161 minutes in his MLS career. Nani has played 5171. Nani has 27 goals and 21 assists in his time through all competitions that is MLS is back, US Open Cup, playoffs and league play. Meanwhile Kaká has 25 goals, 22 assists, and 78 games played. So, not only could Nani bypass Kaká for most assists in Orlando City MLS history, but he's already bypassed him for second in all time in goals, only behind Kyle Lahren, who scored 44. Also, shout out to Chris Mueller, who is tied with Kaká right now for most assists in his tenure. 20 goals, 22 assists for Chris Mueller in 105 games played. I mean, I don't think there's a question that if Orlando ever conducts their own kind of Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor, whatever you want to call it, I mean, he's he's leading the class. That number 17 is probably not going to get retired, but you got to hang a banner up for that guy at some point. Yeah. It's interesting to see that Chris Mueller was 17, gave it to Nani, and now both players have benefited from the number change, <laughs> essentially. Uh, also, well, guess who's guess who's right behind Chris Mueller with, um, I think he's one, two, three, four, five, sixth all-time in goals scored for Orlando City history. Daryl DK. No. Daryl is actually 10th with 10 goals. Uh, Guys, it's Tesho Akindeli. Hmm. Okay. 18 goals to his credit through 64 games. It, it puts it in perspective that Tesho has 18 goals in 64 matches and Nani has 27 in 66. Still, this is a very impressive uh, run that Orlando City has had. And... Uh, we could spend a lot more time talking about Orlando City, but we need to move on and talk about the Orlando Pride because they also played three games in the span of a week. 
not those even, went a little bit differently though. Not even close to as successful as City was in those three games. No. They went one, one, and one Yikes. through those three games. It was well, it started on the twentieth, which was against Gotham FC. In a game that was full of shrosses, and those are shot crosses. So you had uh, two goals that were scored from crosses that just happened to find the back of the net. Yeah, that, that weren't exactly shots. So <laughs> no. And here's the thing. Both goals were scored in 45-minute increments. So Caprice Didasco scored in the 45th minute for Gotham. Courtney Peterson scored in the 90th minute for Orlando. Crazy. Stealing a now the thing with this that. game though. Where have I seen that before? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy thing about this game though, Gotham was was better probably uh, throughout a lot of it. You know they had the possession. Orlando, they they were trying to figure things out as they went. Um, they they made some changes kind of late in the game, where you bring in uh, players like Chelsea Washington, Maggie Doherty Howard, and Erica Timrak. They go a bit more attacking. They take off Ali Riley. They take off Marissa Vigiano. They try and throw some numbers forward. And then it turns out that Courtney Peterson, as she was trying to get a cross into the box for Alex Morgan and Taylor Korniak, it just finds the the top bins and goes in. And Orlando survives. 1-1 uh, draw. Yep. It's kind of... This is also the first... That was the first game that Gotham has conceded or scored more than one goal so every other game that they have played it was one nothing results and orlando was the game that broke that trend so then they went to play ol rain and beat them three nothing this past weekend (laughs) so uh probably a good change of pace for gotham who now in terms of the standings sit in fifth and we'll get to orlando's standings in a minute because somehow they're still first despite not the greatest of weeks. After the Gotham FC game, they head on the road for two straight games. And you could tell, you know, the travel kind of got to them. Their first flight to Kansas City was delayed three times. They got to Kansas City. They were exhausted. They they had a day of, or two of training, and then they ended up playing their game. Uh, it started off kind of slow. Uh, Kansas City was actually the ones who first opened up the scoring. So that's the second straight game that Orlando had conceded first and had to battle back. Uh, Mariana Laroquette scored in the 45 plus 8 mark because there was 11 minutes of stoppage time due to injuries and such. Uh, Abby Kim actually almost it looked like she had separated her shoulder at one point and then had to like have it put back into place but then played on with it. But after Orlando concede, they score right back. Sydney LaRue scores in the 45 plus 10 and kind of a little dribbler of a goal, but it, it counts nonetheless, and they score, and they go to the locker room 1-1. So, you know, not much of a difference comparatively because it's back to even. Second half, though, Orlando comes out. They they set the tone very early on. Sid does a little moment of brilliance, curls one into the back of the net, past Abby Smith, and puts Orlando up 2-1. They don't really look back from there. They get a few players on. Marta comes on late in the game, and she just casually scores one from midfield, as you do. You know, 
just just as Marta does, scores one from just inside the midfield line. Ended up being on Sports Center. Uh, definitely an exciting goal to say the least. And I asked Marta after the game, like, what did you you know what what did you see on that goal? She's like, well, I mean, I I saw the the goalkeeper off her line, and I, that was that was what I saw in the in the uh, the bench. So when I came in, I I picked my head up, I saw her, and went for it. And it worked. And you could see in the replay uh, as she's going over to the the bench, she points at the bench, and you can see her mouth. I told you, I told you. So she had that one planned from the very beginning of the game just because she saw the positioning of the goalkeeper for Kansas City. So anyways, that's the win for Orlando for the week. Then they go to Houston. Houston's an interesting team because Orlando kind of has a bit of a rivalry bring with Houston, uh, especially this year when it comes to the space race. You know, Both teams put out space-related jerseys. Yeah, but I mean... I don't I don't think there's a, much of a comparison to which one's better. Yeah, Houston's is a flop. Yeah. They're still fully sending it for the space kind of theme though either way yeah sure whatever i mean that's cool i guess yeah (laughs) i mean everyone 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 very clearly decided which one was better right the thing is this was the chance to show it on the field and and prove which one is better i mean unfortunately did not work out yeah play didn't exactly match the jerseys no the biggest thing for Orlando is this was their third game in like seven days and yeah. they were exhausted from travel and playing. For Orlando's sake, their third game in eight days, at least they didn't have to travel very much. They had two home games and one like four-hour ride down, well, 45-minute plane ride down the state. Yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile, the Pride had a home game and then two away games. Yeah, and not only the two away games, but all their flights were delayed. Yeah. So they had to sit and wait at the airports. Yeah, imagine waiting to go to Kansas City and then, like, I mean, Houston's cool. I I don't have any problems with Houston. That's that's. I I like Houston. But but still, yeah. There's a lot of like apologies to apologies to friend of the show Julia Poe, but uh, Kansas City is not some place I want to have to wait to go to. (laughs) I've never been there, I don't, so I, I can't I don't want to come off as some an opinion of it. coastal liberal yep. lead, but <laughs> fly, over, fly over country, just skip it. You're dirty brown water trash, and you're always going to be dirty brown water trash. No I... offense, obviously. No, full offense. Full offense. <laughs> To our many flyover country listeners, um, sorry, I'm not. I stand by my. I said what I said. I would like to be excluded from this narrative. If you're if you're wondering right now, as we hit this portion of the show, uh, the penalty kicks are starting in the France game, so Ooh. you can expect some reactions. Ooh, guess it's time for me to boot up the old uh, streaming service here. Mm-hmm. All right, well, uh, let's go ahead and continue talking about the uh, Orlando Pride game against Houston. Like we said, wasn't the greatest of games, unfortunately. They got off to a really poor start. Uh, Maria Sanchez, who in her final game on loan to Houston from uh, the Liga MX women's side, scored in the 18th minute. Um, Veronica Latsko 
scored a really nice header in the 26th. So Pride were down fairly early. They battle back. You know, Gunny Onsdaughter scores her first goal in an Orlando Pride uniform in the 49th minute. And it looked like Orlando was building their way back. And they had some opportunities. Uh, but unfortunately, they were kind of just too few and far between in the second half. Jane Campbell had some very big saves. The the back line for Houston also did very well and just could not find a way through. Uh, Chelsea Washington actually started the game. Uh, you know, Outside of that, it was pretty much a, a strong starting 11 for them. Uh, but you were missing uh, a player like Taylor Korniak, who is now injured. And who knows when she'll be back. So with Alex Morgan heading to the Olympics and now Taylor Korniak potentially missing, uh, your offense kind of gets a little bit uh, worse. So we'll see what happens in their next game against uh, the North Carolina Courage. Love to see them. So North Carolina currently second in the league right behind Orlando. NWSL sweethearts. Yeah, everyone loves the Courage. Yay. Mm. Courage coming off a 2-0 win against Portland. But the next time the Courage play, even though they have a game in hand on Orlando, is against Orlando on July 4th, 6 o'clock kickoff in Orlando. So at least Orlando's home for their next two games, one of them coming against Racing Louisville. Are we all just staring at Olivier Giroud right now? (laughs) Yes. Constantly, but... Yes. Yeah, and he pretty. That's pretty. Yeah, that was that was a handsome, handsome man, handsome goal. So, uh, Brad, I want your thoughts on the pride, real quick. Uh, still one one in one week. Yeah, I mean, God, we still like as soon as they, as soon as I want to be like, oh yeah, they they're looking great. It's again, it's like no, I don't, I don't really know what this team I looks don't, like. Yeah. The thing is, I don't know how much you take stock into this week because of the travel, because of yeah, players but, being tired. I mean, players being tired, you're you're getting some of your better players taken away for an extended period of time. Like, I don't know. I mean, the the player that I said was probably going to have the best season, or at least like the best comeback of the season, like it has been doing really well. Oh my God, Hugo Lloris, what are you doing? Um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the pride are. It's really hard to make up like any sort of. I I can't make up my mind on the pride because I don't even think the pride even know what they are at this point still. Like yes, they are. It's it's... they are at the top of the league, but also like they have a game in hand on basically the second through fourth team. And guess what? If those teams win and have a sufficient goal differential in in their win, uh, suddenly the pride could be fourth. So, I mean, this is early season, so you don't, I don't know how much stock you take into that just simply because like, well, yeah, it's nice to be first, but it doesn't necessarily mean you'll stay first. Like it's, it's, say, I do it's, see, a, it's a grind of a season. Yeah. I do I mean, see the potential to maybe get a little overconfident and a little high on themselves. I mean, obviously you would be at this point, you know, you've been playing, you've been picking up good results, you know, so there is that little aspect of, okay. We're a lot better than people think. We're the underdogs. We're here to stay. And then maybe a bad result comes. You know, they they lose by a lopsided amount, and that suddenly deflates them more than anyone would have expected. So, I mean, it's, 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 it really comes down to how Mark is keeping that balance in the locker room, I think. 
Yeah, and I've talked to him about this in in the past. He 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 has his entire staff kind of working constantly, building up the players' confidence and making sure that they are believing in themselves and each other. And they they have a very good dynamic. You can kind of tell from all their social media posts that they post. We've talked about this in the past before, um, but. When you're losing some of your better players, Alex Morgan is currently third in the league in goals scored with four, tied with Sidney LaRue, actually. And then you're lo- you're losing your your best sister in Marta, who currently leads the league with three assists. That's a lot that you're losing. And there is no replacing those kind of players like no, Alex Morgan no. and Marta. I think the, the next couple games, like the next month or so, where they play North Carolina, Louisville, Portland, OL Reign, North Carolina again, and Chicago. Those six games are going to be tremendously hard. I mean, I guess I also have to sort of take into consideration the attrition that other teams around the league are going to be taking during this time. Like, this is true. I mean, I mean think the- about it for, for North Carolina, especially like for their next game. Just, just, just speaking of of who they're going to be losing, you're you're losing Sam Mewis, mm-hmm. you're losing Dabinia, pretty sure you're losing uh, Lynn Williams. Yep. I think she's an alternate. Which sounds weird. I, I mean, that's why Lynn. Williams yeah, being it's an super weird is. that that she is an alternate. Um, but they still have a, a player like Jess McDonald. Yeah, who's who's good. But when you're losing Mewis, Dabinia, and Lynn Williams. Those are your three like best of your four strikers. They still have their entire back line, their defensive midfield, and their goalkeeper. But will they be able to score goals without three of their best offensive players? That's the question. So I could see another nil-nil draw coming against Orlando, to be completely honest. Was the Amy Turner signing by the Pride spurred on because of them, because of the Olympics, do you think? Yeah, I think that was that was kind of moved up quite a bit uh all things considered you know she's a center back and we we haven't even mentioned that whole <laughs> signing to be completely honest uh yeah hey the, the buried the like, lead there hey the pride side a new center back <laughs> yeah it, not only just a, a center back but a former manchester united center back yeah so it's a it's a player of note like it, they're not getting like oh just like oh no brad uh yeah, I'm my sorry. Son. I'm my, sorry. My son. God, he is. He's just not had a day. No. And that's it. And that's it. Wow, France are out because Mbappe, my my beautiful son, could not convert a penalty. Oh well, Switzerland doing in a real tournament. <laughs> Incredible. Wow. All right, Love back that. to AB Turner. <laughs> Just, just to bring it back. Um, Do it in the World Cup, Switzerland. Granted, Jaka. I mean, this guy. Seriously, come on. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this guy. Amy <laughs> Turner. What a career she has had. So, funny thing about uh, about Turner. She went to college in the U.S. Do you guys know which college she went to? Um, I feel like I should know this. She went to Hofstra. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what their uh, their nickname is, Hofstra? Isn't it? It's not the Lord Jeffs, is it? No. No. They're the Pride. 
So this is her second time playing for that's Lord Jeffs or the or Amherst College. Yeah, yeah. Hofstra is the Hofstra University Pride. So mm-hmm. you go from college playing in Pride to now professional playing in Pride. But she has made her career throughout Europe. After playing in uh, America for college, she came back to uh, England. Has played uh, not only with uh, Notts County, Liverpool, Sheffield, and Leeds, but she's also most recently, since 2018, played for Manchester United. And also interesting enough, her uh, fiance plays for the North Carolina Courage. So it could be a reason she wanted to come back to the U.S. since her significant other was here as well. Now the question is, uh, how much of a matter of time is it before her significant other signs with the Pride to make it like five different couples playing for the Orlando Pride? Huh. Yeah, something to think about for sure. It used to be the Flying Dutchman, which is an infinitely better nickname than the Pride. Oh, Hofstra? The Hofstra Flying Dutchman? yeah. 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 Oh, well. All right, last thing we want to talk about for the Orlando Pride before we talk about the Euros and what we just witnessed, because that's on our actual list of things to talk about. Chioma Ubogagu. You remember Chioma Ubogagu? Of course. We interviewed her one day after. uh... We did. We we gave her some uh, prawn cocktail crisps. She said it was the best interview she's ever done. She got crisps out of it. Yeah. I'd be pretty happy if I got crisped out of an interview, too. Well, anyways, unfortunately, she was uh, kicked off of Real Madrid <laughs> this uh, couple weeks ago. Kind of lost in translation as to why, but I guess some of the reasons were she wasn't showing up to like trainings or she missed something because of a wedding she went to or she was like missing trainings or something. And so they were just like, nope, bye. <sighs> Uh, I mean, seems out of character for her. Well, no, I'm just uh, like from Madrid's part. Like that seems to be a really weak reason to just let a player go. I guess unless she like didn't inform them she was leaving that she wasn't going to be there or something like that. I get, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I guess I don't know the whole situation, so I'm like not super wanting to talk about it. I guess. Mm. yeah like if, i mean like it's just she, something it's just something to mention that's all that's all i'm yeah, doing here i mean that sucks i mean it sucks that she's not with a club anymore yeah she I, I feel like she'll probably make it back to the u.s and nwsl now to be completely honest do you think i mean there's a lot of teams looking for players in the super league now yeah you think so i mean she did play for Arsenal. she is also point. like yeah she is also english so. That's a good question. Yeah, that's a good good point. We'll, we'll have to see where she ends up. But the door is open for her probably a, a multitude of places. Well, that's it for the Orlando Pride and any Pride-related stories that we wanted to talk about. Let's talk about those Euros. France, unfortunately, laying an egg... I mean, they were up 3-1. Yeah. yeah 3-1 is the dangerous, most dangerous lead in all of sports. We we know this. Killing Mbappe just... Not, not having a great... Not, not with not the right vibes. Like, him. just... Yeah, I mean... You 
kind of felt that one coming after the way that the last you know hours transpired for for france it's just like yep uh, it's expected everyone once they got into uh, once Giroud came on the, the jokes on twitter were like you know this is gonna end with a drew header and it's like well are you so sure about <laughs> that because it seemed to be leaning in the wrong way yeah i mean that's like the big thing of today right is Mbappe just mm-hmm. couldn't finish like it for any opportunity that he had and now switzerland with their stupid puma shirts are moving on <laughs> god i hate that that just a plain white t-shirt ass club <laughs> italy and switzerland in the final confirmed italy versus switzerland why because the, the they have the, the same the ugly, oh, it's the the same ugly basic yeah the boring yeah. puma shirts yeah. Um, I mean, on one hand, it does like some. It's easy to kind of forget that France won the World Cup like just a couple short years ago, and uh, it puts into greater uh, achievement Spain winning those three straight tournaments. You know, it's just like it's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. So now that these results have happened, who is, who is your new potential winner? I mean, Italy, probably. Well, you, you don't think that England will win no. against Germany? I don't think. I don't you don't think, think Germany has a chance? Germany. I'm not too confident in Germany, so I do feel like I should lean England, but you know, it's England, so who knows. England England have too many Spurs players on their team. <laughs> the question is, will they be playing I mean, in this game? Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. The the last game they played, out of all the players that were on the field, how many players actually were from Spurs other than Harry Kane? I'll tell you none. None. Yeah. But just including that too many, including them in the 18. Now that's a different story. You've you've set yourself up for failure. Look what just happened to France. I mean, who? I I ask you again, who in the 18 is from Spurs other than Harry Kane? No one, but that's the, that's the point. One is one too many. Oh, and that's what happened with France. Yeah. They had too many. Look, you get one on you, and look what happens. <laughs> so what? Uh, France just had Loris, right? They're, they just the they one? just showed they just showed a crowd shot of uh, Switzerland celebrating after they scored a penalty, and in with the uh, the France crowd is someone wearing a Ben Simmons jersey. And man, is that not just dooming <laughs> yourself? <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Oh man, that is unfortunate. I saw guy. I saw that and I was like, "Oh, that's why France lost." <laughs> they literally passed up they literally passed up a chance to win the game. <laughs> Instead of hitting the wide open layup, they passed it off. Yeah. Yikes. Big yikes. Anyway, who uh who would have thought that France would uh go down in a shootout? But um it's been a long day. It's, it's been, been a, it's been a long day, Gavin. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
Why do I care? I'm Quebecois. I don't actually like care about France all that much. <laughs> no, it was just kind of close enough to being your team. Just because we speak the same language? Ish. And like, no, the French, the French look yeah. down on Quebecois. Because it's like dirty yeah. French. That's what I'm saying. So why do you why do you, why do you uh, care? Terry Henry are, is like you know my favorite player. Yeah, but Terry Henry's not on this dirty team. brown trash water to them. That's true. Yeah. So don't feel bad about them losing. If anything, feel better about them. I losing. I mean, and Mbappe, who is I've said many times in the show, is my my lovely handsome son. Um, he did. He let you down uh, you know today. What? Unfortunately, he's he's been so great so many other times that you know. I'm just glad he saved a dud for, you know, this tournament and not one that matters. Like the World Cup. Like the World Cup. won. Right. Yeah. So. There you go. Many people so also forget do it, is do, next do, year. Do it in a real tournament. Yeah. In in Cutter, which is going to mm-hmm. be real weird. If people were like, oh, man, 2020 really screwed up a lot of <laughs> – teams uh sports leagues in their schedule it's like buddy wait until you see what this uh, world cup is about to do yeah well you know who know you know at least not going to be affected by the winter 2022 world I mean, cup wouldn't mls be affected by it because isn't that when the mls cup is played it's probably going to hit some of the playoff teams yes depending on mm. you know but not the yeah. regular season no. but there's a, but still half the league is going to be affected by it because that's how many teams make the playoffs. I mean, that is storylines abound when Chris Mueller has to miss the MLS Cup final to play. Oh, did we Cup forget for that we game. actually have a guy who would be included in a World Cup team? When Daryl DK is forced to miss the MLS Cup for, if he's even here, he might be sold by then. <laughs> when Daryl DK is forced to miss Chelsea's Premier League season because he is with. Oh God. The United States. As as much as I would like be kind of happy if Daryl DK went to Chelsea, I'd also don't want him at Chelsea, just because like he'd be too close to Murata. They seem to not have. A, no, they don't have a good record of strikers lately. Like, Think about it: Diego Costa, Morata, Fernando Torres. I mean, Timo Werner. Like these, those guys went to Chelsea and their careers like took a dive. I don't want a yeah. good striker to go there. I mean, they <laughs> have one that I kind of care Mount, about. Though, so it's not. He's not a striker, though. No, he's not. No, no, no. He's a midfielder. Yeah. I mean, Giroud is like really the only striker they have, right? Well, outside of Timo Werner, he's technically their striker, and and Tammy Abraham, who's decent. He was good at the he was good at the start of last season, right? And then I feel like I heard a yeah. lot about about him a lot less after that. Well, yeah, because they they just stopped playing him when Frank left. Yeah, because it was like he was getting all the minutes over Christian, and then they just yeah, was, I don't know, it was weird. Anyways, we could we could discuss what this all day to, and night, but what happened to Batman? Batuai? Mm-hmm. He's not even there anymore. Oh, he's been loaned he, out to last I got, saw he was loaned out to Crystal Palace, which is I mean he's still I mean on Chelsea's team i guess yeah he, he got he got loaned out to uh, crystal palace for two straight years i mean at least none of you guys are likely gonna have to root for a team coached by rafa benedez this season so um nope i have to root for There's one that. coached by 
Michael Arteta, who's going to be here in Orlando at the uh, end of July. Yeah, we're going to interview him. Absolutely. Yeah, missed that one. Uh, Everton announcing that they're coming to Florida about a week after I moved. Yep. So that was fun. They waited for you to be mm. gone. They're like, ah, finally, yeah. this guy's gone. We can come here now. So we don't we don't need that guy anymore. Nope. Brent Brent will be Ridiculous. here in your place. Well, we don't Do even we know. know. Do we know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, we can, t- we can know, talk about this. We for a made while. all those jokes about Brent being captured by ISIS, but it, honestly, it's a toss-up at this point. I mean, it's fifty-fifty. I mean, he's on PlayStation all the time. I invite him to like voice. Brent's cast. account is on PlayStation all the time. That's yeah, just ISIS playing. It. True, true, true. Anyways, um, let's move on. Let's finish out the rest of the show because we've been going on for forever. Um, the OC Academy Twenty Threes. They have finished out their spring season after finishing second to OFC Barca. They went into the playoffs and beat Interjacks 2-1 to make it to the final. The interesting thing about Interjacks, or sorry, the interesting thing about OFC Barca is they actually lost to the CFL Gosa Spurs. So it was the top four teams that made it to the playoffs. Barca, first team, fourth team team was Gosa Spurs. Uh, Gosa Spurs was the only other team to beat OC Academy 23s during the regular season. They only lost two games. One of them was to Gosa Spurs. So Orlando beats Jacksonville. They play CFL Gosa Spurs in Orlando because Orlando OC Academy 23s was the better seeded team. It came down to penalties because uh, neither team could score during the regular season. OC Academy 23s missed three penalties, and CFL Gosa Spurs won. And I would like to remind you that CFL Gosa Spurs has a multitude of Orlando Seawolves players on that team. So do with that what you will. Don't don't what? Don't get any Spurs on you, as I've said many times on this show. Don't get right, any. But they on won. You. Yeah. Uh, the 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 Spurs won. Yeah, that's I stand by my statement. Don't let them get any on you, and you'll be okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, other local soccer team, the CFSC, the Central Florida Soccer Club Panthers. Uh, they drew 1-1 this past weekend. They played Naples United FC. It was kind of an unfortunate start for them. They, they conceded in the ninth minute. Charles All, uh, keep that name in your memories. He's, he's a really talented kid. He just graduated from high school. And he has committed to Stetson. He played with Mikey Holiday in the Orlando City Academy system. And he's really good. Like, really good. Keep an eye out for him um, because he, he could be a, a future pro player. Uh, and he's only 18 right now. I think he'll, he'll go through the college system and then we'll, we'll see how he is. But keep an eye out for Charles All. He scored the, uh, the goal to tie the game on a penalty. And uh, he now leads the team with four goals on the season, as well as three assists. Game was pretty chippy towards it, uh, at the end of it, as both teams were kind of fighting for playoff standing. Now with two games left in the season, the Central Florida Panthers need to win both in order to stay in contention for the playoffs. They need to beat the top team, Miami United, this Saturday at 5 o'clock. And then their final game of the season is in Boca, 
And that is going to be a noon kickoff on July 6th. So that's a Tuesday at noon kickoff for whatever reason. That's their final game of the season. So if Orlando wins both, then they'll finish with five wins on the season and have a chance to crack the top two or three. Right now they sit in fourth with a 3-2-3 and record. Now it is time to finish out the rest of the show with our weird news and red cards. So gentlemen, it is time for some weird news. Who has a good one today? Um, mine isn't necessarily weird, but it is um, different and something I'm actually quite looking forward to. Uh, Wingstop has found an answer to the mitigating chicken shortage with its new virtual brand, Thigh Stop. Uh, the concept I did, I hear did about get this. that email last week. Uh, the concept is available at more than fourteen hundred Wingstop kitchens through ThighStop.com and DoorDash. Guys, how was ThighStop.com a website that was available for purchase in the year of our Lord twenty twenty one? Um, with the internet being what it is. Uh, in addition to bone and chicken thighs, Thigh Stop features breaded boneless thighs, which the company describes as a, quote, more juicy, flavorful take on Wingstop's popular boneless wings. Size includes ranch and blue cheese dips, fresh cut seasoned fries, fried corn, and rolls. The menu items come with Wingstop's 11 classic flavors. Y'all, uh, people have been really down on chicken thighs for a long time, and I'm here to tell you, thigh is the best part of the chicken. I don't care what anyone says. It is the best part. If we could figure out how to make uh, these chicken sandwiches with, with chicken thighs, I don't think I would eat anything else in my entire life. And now Wingstop, or should I say Thigh Stop, might be my new favorite restaurant. Yeah, so I had Wingstop the first time in New York last year, pre-pandemic, and then I discovered when I was in Jacksonville that they had opened one like 10 minutes for me and I frequented them. And now here in Richmond, I live about five minutes away from one and I've already had it an embarrassingly high amount of time since I've lived here this past month. We also um, found out yeah, that they, you, they come through that, that you have a Raisin Cane's in Richmond and then there's also several Bojangles around you in Richmond, which neither of which I don't believe I definitely know. No, I, I don't think either of them are here in Orlando, and those were also very good chicken. As there well. was, they opened up one in St. Augustine, about 20 minutes south of where I live. Yep. I never personally went. Um, Bell claims that they're not good, so we just never go there, mm. um, but I've never personally had to experience them. And as for the other one, I, ha- I haven't even heard of that one. I'll have to look it up, though. Yeah, Raising Cane's is a lot of, like, sauces. Like that's their their big like thing. Sauces. It's like different sauces, I think. Oh, I uh, like I actually, uh, my my weird news is actually based off of sauce related things. So awesome! So you should me, probably go then. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, my weird news is uh, there was a man in Iowa, in Ann Kenny. Uh, he now faces felony charges of making a false bomb threat after police said he threatened a McDonald's employee over the phone when he was upset with his order. Uh, Robert Gullweiser Jr. was arrested and released from Polk County Jail after posting bond. The Arkeny police told the news station that Gullweiser was unhappy with his order from McDonald's, and he called to complain about his order, specifically not receiving dipping sauces with his nuggets. 
So then he called uh, saying that he was going to, quote, blow up something and punch an employee. (laughs) Arrest records showed that he admitted to officers that he had made the threat over the phone. And now he faces felony charges of making a false report of explosives or incendiary devices. Yeah, so, Brad, I, I looked up the Raisin Canes, and it is in downtown, so it's not out of the way for me. However, it does say temporarily closed. Ooh. Yeah. That's unfortunate. So it might not be temporarily. Yeah, I'm not an quite sure it. what that is about. Could be a remodel. You never know. Mm, yeah, true. Oh. Anyways, Gavin, your turn. What kind of weird news do you have for us? The birds Uh-oh. aren't real movement. Um, so there's a movement uh, taking place that says the federal government has replaced all birds with surveillance drones. Um, this has obviously been uh, one of those online conspiracy memes for a while. Um, but it does appear that there is an actual steam picking up behind this that uh, birds aren't real and that when you see a bird, it's actually just the government keeping an eye on you. Old Uncle Sam's uh, not letting you out of his sights. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, birds aren't real. They're all they're all drones. It's the government's some, big conspiracy. We just we just watched uh, Wolf Walkers. It's an animated movie on uh, Apple Apple TV, uh, and that features a, a hawk named Merlin in it. So it's just goes to show you how far back this conspiracy of. Uh, Big hawk, big bird goes. Oh my god, guys! Sesame Street, big bird. It's been right there in front of us this whole time. <laughs> I mean, th- th- this is clearly more just satire. It's the quote of the leader from the movement. It's what makes me think that. I think the evidence is all around us. Birds sit on power lines. We believe they're charging on power lines. We believe that bird poop on cars is liquid tracking apparatus. So, no, no, I get it now. Yeah, no, I'm on board with it, 100%. Yeah, you know, if I touch the power line, I w- allegedly explode, but these birds can just chill at will? I don't believe it. Guys, Granite Jacques's game numbers for Switzerland versus France, 92% passing accuracy, 70, 17 final third entries, 8 of 8 on long balls, 5 ball recoveries, 3 chances created, 3 fouls won, 3 interceptions, 2 of 2 on through balls, Two aerials, one, two clearances, a block, and an assist. Uh, so Arsenal should get fifty million for him. <laughs> Naturally, not a penny, not a pence less. There we go. So um, after this this France failure, l'équipe en France, uh, their their headline is la douche froide. Yep, as you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as you do. All right, red cards, anyone? I mean... <laughs> France? <laughs> I mean, no, he's... Uh, not France, not my, not the person I'm giving my red card. It's to Deschamps. Yep. That's who my red card goes to. Why did oh. he take... Why he took off Griezmann is beyond me. Well, he, t- he took off Griezmann and um, Benzema. Yeah. He took off Griezmann. Well, he took off Griezmann, then they conceded the third goal. So that's, uh, yeah. He went and broke what wasn't, he tried to, he went and broke what wasn't needing fixing. Yeah. So. 
Yep, that's who my red yeah, so, card goes to this week. Um, so it, it looks like that it's part of the VCU campus. So I think it says closed for the summer is what their website says. So maybe they're just open during the school year? Oh, that that's could be. probably it, yeah. That makes sense. That'll, that'll do it. You just wait a couple months. Anyways, Gavin, what's your red card? My red card goes out to uh, new NWSL club, uh, Angel City. So oh. they announced today that they are selling their crest, which hasn't been announced yet, um, as an NFT. Um, they've hmm. split it up into 5,000 pieces um, so that fans can buy and, you know, quite literally own a piece of the club. Um I don't – this fad has died, right? Like, no one is talking about these. I don't know. I never personally saw an interest in it. I mean, listen, in theory, I think it's a cool idea. Um, but at this point, I give a red card to just jumping on the NFT craze in general because I just think it's a waste of time and money. Yeah, Kim, fix it. Can't We just can't sustain this. Yeah. That's, she's the only person who I really expect to – like who I can vocalize complaints to when it comes to that club. Yeah. I mean, they've got that list of owners, you know, but a lot of them are, you know, people that. Well, I mean, Kim is the director of analytics. And so, um, I just assumed that in it, uh, the NFT would have something to do with the analytics. Cause I don't even know. I, like you can just take a screenshot <laughs> of it and now you have the, the NFT, right? Like that's how that works. That's, how I assume it works, yeah. I mean, like, there's just, like a well, digital quite... code inside of it, I guess. Well, that, like, people proves. have like top, people have like top shots of like NBA highlights, but I could just go on YouTube and I can screen record it. And now, do I have yeah, that? Yeah, like I don't like you hypothetically own that, but do you? I mean, I don't see. I just don't get it. It's not... it's only within like the certain confines of the wallet or something. I guess I don't. I don't know. It's, yeah, it seems this, very this, this funny weird. money is a. Uh... It's all coming ahead. Because, I mean, the I just recently read a thing how the, the people that uh, the Charlie bit my finger was sold is like an NFT and it's being taken down off YouTube, you know, because it's now owned by someone. But that doesn't just delete the video from existence. You know, it's still no. everywhere else it's ever been posted. So I don't I don't get it. It's not for us to understand. It's only for us to just it, it's it's for it to exist. And that's all we can do. Is let it exist. That's a great Nate. That's a great note to go out on, actually. <laughs> like we end the show there, right? I mean, might as well. Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. No. Just had to throw that one out there before we end the actual show. But yes, I think we end it there. Any final thoughts before we go? Take, take that as a no. All right. Fantastic. Cool. All right. So for Gavin Eubank and Brad Newton, my name is Austin David. Thanks for tuning into another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. And we'll be back next week. We didn't even really talk about any of the upcoming games for Orlando City or Pride. Kind of glossed over City's next game against the New York Red Bulls, but eh. Hey, you'd, you'd think after you 15 do? years of doing this show, we'd have our act together and 15, kind of, you know, yeah. just, stabilize the rundown a little bit, but... Nah, there was just too many games to go go through, and there wasn't enough time. We 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 re, re- recapped th- six games today. Yeah, I think we did enough. Will I get over it? Mm. No, but life goes on.
that is that is an apt quote for the end of this show so thanks again for tuning in to the orlando soccer show we'll be back to recap the game for orlando city against the new york red bulls and of course for the orlando pride against north carolina courage until then so long see you later take care go lightning